What up, what up? It's Leno the Wave God checking in, and welcome back to another edition of the Do Rags and Stethoscopes podcast. On this week's episode, we're talking about student loan forgiveness and how petty that White House Twitter handle is. We're talking about food deserts, and we have a very, very special guest joining us. The first lady of the show, pediatric nurse practitioner Choice Co. sits down with us as we discuss a few topics in pediatric healthcare. You definitely don't want to miss this episode. Subscribe to our podcast, now streaming on all platforms. You can still follow us on Instagram for any additional news, information, and updates. And as always, thanks for listening. My vision is the bag in my white coat. Leno got his do-rag and lit got his stethoscopes. Welcome to do-rags and stethoscopes. Welcome to do-rags and stethoscopes. Wave tsunami when they crash, current strong, it's a rip. If you're not feeling well, I might just have to write a script. Welcome to Do Rags and Stethoscope. Welcome to Do Rags and Stethoscope. People are gonna think that that's business as usual. Welcome into another episode of Do Rags and Stethoscopes. As always, I am the Lit MD here with Leno the Wave God. Hey, what, what up? up? What up? What up? What up? As you know, we always got our production ke- team keeping us together. Brick and Shock. What's good? <laughs> hey, today we're going to keep it fresh with y'all. We're going to talk to y'all about some things, but we are definitely going to get some clap back just like our White House did when it comes to this student loan forgiveness, the PPP loans. And these paperwork issues. We also gonna be touching on food deserts, and we are going to have a special episode of Shock's Food of the Week. All right, fellas. So let's get into it. Something that we all suffer from, deal with, got going on. First thing we're gonna be talking about is student loan forgiveness. I truly wish they would forgive them all, but obviously they won't. But Leno, take it away for me, bro. How you feeling about student loan forgiveness? Say we have student loan forgiveness. Who is we? Because I forgave my student loans a very long time ago. I don't know. It could be 10000 50000 100000 I'm forgiving. The Lord said I'm forgiving. I said I'm forgiving. <laughs> That's all the forgiveness I need right there, to be honest with you, brother. You might have some student loan things going on. But as for me and my house, we, there are no student loans over here. <laughs> preach, yeah. Preach. Tell them, as long as you repent your sins, you ain't got no student loans. Yeah, no, nah, they're going to, I mean, oh, oh, and you know what I mean? If they want to go the other route with it, we can go the other route with it. And somebody going to have to just come see me about some student loan thing. Because as far as I know, it's no student loan owing over here. <laughs> None. Tell them, pull up. <laughs> no, nah, please yeah, don't pull up. Don't come to my don't, address. Yeah, no, nah, don't pull up, please. I don't know. Um. They can, I don't. I don't know. I don't have no fixed address right now. If anybody is listening to this, um, yeah, don't, don't nobody need to come get me. I live in yeah. a PO box. Yeah, I, I live in a box. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord! All right, a couple other y'all suffering from it. Shock. What's up with the student loans? Hey, uh, just three thousand percent spot on. I agree with that shit, dog. What the fuck is a student loan, man? Who's supposed to pay that shit back? <laughs> Brick, what you thinking about it? Man, we talked about it in the last episode. I done had like 16 jobs. Every job is on this. 
public forgiveness, public servant forgiveness list, and none of them have been forgiven. I've been in the army twice. I was a teacher and I worked for the government. And I literally been paying off. Well, I mean, what they told me to pay, not a lot, but what they told me to pay for like the last 10 years. So it's a struggle. They just forgive them all because I ain't paying them. I went to college. I knew I won't pay them. I don't, <laughs> let's be real. Well, I decided to take the very expensive endeavor of medical school, and I have over half a million in student loans. I think it's 517000 to be exact. So let me tell you all this story. When I first started residency, they, you know, they were hitting me up about it. So I did the, uh, based on my resident salary, which residents are grossly underpaid, but we can get into that another day. So I was paying like, <laughs> I think I was paying 15 to $25 uh, every every pay period. So they have a little calculator and they were like, you will pay off your student loans in 4,316 years. I was like, cool. <laughs> Fine with me. Let's keep God it at this hands. pace. <laughs> in God's hands right now. Oh, they yeah. don't care nothing about that money. Do you think somebody going to wait around 4,000 years for you to pay off your student loans? <laughs> Ross University it's the fact that even 4,000 years going to want that bread back off those student loans in 4,000 years. I know, right? They're going to dig that casket up. 4,000 years. I don't know. Where are we going to be? Where are we going to be at in 4,000 years, fellas? You think it's going to be an earth in 4,000 years? Yes. I do. I think Bama's still going to be a dynasty. No. <laughs> oh, chill out, dog. Hop off, dog. <laughs> he might be right, though. <laughs> They went from the SEC straight to the NFL. No. But for real. So the thing about the student loans that we definitely wanted to get into. So there's been this talk about 10,000 versus 20,000 based on whether you got the Pell Grant or not. For me, I told you how much I owe in student loans. So it's basically a drop in the bucket. I feel like it's a step in the right direction, but I wouldn't even call it a step. What, what do you think for it? It's a thought about getting up to take a step. It's like that moment when you're laying in the bed and you're thinking about possibly maybe sitting up to roll over and check your phone. I think that's as much progress as that is. I think it's a pump fake. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's a it's a hezzy. <laughs> shock, shock. Can you show us the hezzy? I know you got the best hezzy move in the game. <laughs> <laughs> Travel. Travel. Brick. There we go. <laughs> it's a crab dribble. That shit was what? <laughs> Oh, wait. White House took a crab dribble on us. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Hey, but you know what? At the end of the day, it's something. I will say that. It's something. I don't think it's anywhere near enough. But, hey, they trying to do something. But what's up with the paperwork issue, though? I mean, have any of y'all filed for it? Filed for what? What's the paperwork? Oh, yeah, I forgot. Leno Leno ain't got no student loan. Yeah, that's me. All right. So when it comes to the student loans, there is a there's been a long standing issue, like I just said before. Yeah. The loan themselves. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes. But if you file for like the loan forgiveness program that they offer, if you work for the Peace Corps, if you work for the military, if you work as a teacher in a low income area, the public service loan forgiveness, they literally have said like there's been an issue with it because they do like a year long process 
if you say, hey, I work for this school, they'll take your paperwork and they won't tell you to the end of the year or the beginning of next year. We didn't accept it. So that's what happened to me. So right now they're coming to this point where they're saying, hey, we're actually going to fi- uh, fix this issue because it is a problem. And I mean, I've dealt with it. I've been paying on my loans for what they've told me. Hey, pay this amount for the 10 years. I've been doing that for the last 10, 11, 12 years, and I haven't gotten anything taken care of. So that is the paperwork issue that is going on. But they're saying that they're going to fix it right now, quote unquote. The paperwork. I My thing with the paperwork is that I can't throw I'm too lazy. Like, we all got busy lives. We all got jobs. We got stuff going on. So when it comes to doing paperwork, how how much is it? Like, is it? Pages and pages? Is it a quick form? What is it? Is it like, you know, article number, number four, section X, part three? Like, what you got to do? So it's like, I want to say it's not a lot, but the process is a long time, like three, four, five pages, maybe. You submit, Mm -hmm. like, your student loan paperwork. You submit your uh employment paperwork you need to probably uh i know when i worked for the government the government had to sign off that hey this is the paperwork and then you send it in to the government to uh whoever handles it i can't remember what agency handles you just it. said paperwork and government like 10 times and i feel like we didn't get nowhere i don't know okay so about what to do all right you take all like your tax information the job information w2 everything you get your agency or job or whatever company that you're working for that is eligible for this benefit keyword eligible and they sign off hey you are eligible you submit it in to whatever i don't know what agency handles the student loans but fafsa or whoever loan forgiveness whatever agency handles all that I'm going to be the cops because I ain't about to pay. <laughs> what would you consider an eligibility requirement? There's literally a list of eligibility requirements when it comes to this. See, I'm asking, um, do you have, I'm asking, I'm asking because I don't know. I'm asking, do you have that list? Like, do you know, like, like a any, couple of things on that list? Um, working for the uh, government, right. mm. working for the military, mm. being a teacher, mm. uh, Things that I've done. That's all your jobs. You <laughs> name it all his previous jobs. <laughs> that's it. This is me personally. That I've gotten turned down from every single one of them. But, no, no, you ain't got no student loans anyway, so don't worry about no, it. I mean, I'm just. I'm, this is for the view for the viewers out there <laughs> that do. I want to help them out. There you go. No, you're right. I'm just saying we're gonna keep it straight. So, all right, people. So there is there are forms. We do not know the website. Uh, maybe we will put it on one of our social medias so that y'all can look it up. Well, I want everybody to, to fill it out if you have any level of student loans because any free government money, take it. You know what I'm saying? It's very few times that they, the government is trying to give you money for something. So if there's a forgiveness or there's something, you know, do your due diligence and get that done. I think we should. Now, another thing that's been going on, though, I feel like some of these politicians ain't been doing their due diligence. Y'all heard what the uh, White House Twitter was doing? <laughs> what you mean? You talking about quote the quote uh, everybody that was speaking out against uh, student loan forgiveness? Yes, clapbacks of the year. Let's see, let's see. Do we have any examples? Congressman 
Oh, I'm sorry. Let's say what the what the individual said. So this was from Mark Wayne Mullen. We do not need farmers and ranchers, small business owners and teachers in Oklahoma paying the debts of Ivy League lawyers and doctors across the U.S. This places undue burden on those already suffering due to the weight of Biden's failed economic policy. So I will say this first off. As a physician that is self-made, that has grown up, came from nothing, you know nothing about my life, dog. You use the word doctor and you throw it around, but I bet you walk into my ICU having a, a myocardial infarction, you're going to want me to help you having a stroke. You're going to be glad that I spent all that money on that education. So I get that money back. I'm about to get heated, but I'm going to just be quiet. Then they respond, Congressman Mark Wayne Mullen had over $1.4 million in PPP loans forgiven. You soft. Okay, let's give another example. All right. Now, Leno, you let me know what you think of this one. We got Representative Mike Kelly asking plumbers and carpenters to pay off the loans of Wall Street advisors and lawyers isn't just unfair. It's also bad policy. Congressman Mike Kelly had $987,237 in PPP loans forgiven. What do you think? I think people should learn to keep their mouth shut. Mm. Speak on it. People should really learn to keep their mouth shut. It's people act like they, you know, they ain't ever done anything that they, you know, that they are perfect. Seriously, and it, it's it frustrating that they think that. It's delu. It's it is it's it's all delu. It's all delusion. Yeah, like they. It's the people that get a handout and then get mad at somebody that is trying to get something. Because I, I don't even like the term handout, but I'd love to have somebody forgive somebody, my half a million dollars in student loans. If you got forgiveness for a PPP loan that you could afford to take out that you should have been able to afford to pay back. Exactly. And then they as just a politician, As a politician, you can, you can afford to pay your PPP loan back. And you didn't have to pay any other back. You just got a free million dollars to your business. Like, here you go. All right, what you got, Brick? Uh, Leno just said the thing. uh, As a politician, you should be able to afford to pay your PPP loan back. How much do you think politicians make? You talking about over the table or under the table? Directly, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, say, I mean, money. If, if we are going just off of the politician's salary, like, no, no, I ain't, don't even do that. No, uh, no, I don't, you don't have to tell me what their salary is, do not care because we know they're making more than that. I, when I used to live in the <clears> district, <throat> I party with some politicians and they could afford those drugs that they were doing at that party. Yeah, I said it, I wasn't doing drugs, not a drug guy, but this is ridiculous. I'll be getting sick of them. So I pulled up the list of what when it comes to like just people make like if you're House Majority Leader and Minority Leader, you make one hundred ninety three. Hold on. hold on. So are you wait? Are you about to say these people's salary? I'm going to throw it out there. And All right. Let's make it. Let's make a game out of it. Is multiple people. I mean, I'm just going off of the. Like the salaries that I see, I don't say. All right. So name, but I have like. If they work there, like their position, what they would make. So, all right. So, Leno, Shock, I need y'all to do this. All right. Truth or bull? We're going to play truth or bull. I bet. 
So Brick will read the salary, and then y'all just call it out. Is it truth or is it some bull? Go for it. Uh, hold on, I'm confused. What do you mean? Say how much the politician makes, and we're going to say whether it's truth or it's some bull. And then you're going to have another politician salary, right? Are we like, going like that's accurate? Like that's the actual amount? Or are you saying like it's yeah? That they is that the truth? That? Or is, okay. exactly? All right. I mean, so, uh, all right. I don't know, I'm pulling up the pace scale. Throw out some crazy ass numbers, dog. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they all have the same pay though. That's the crazy thing. Oh, oh even well, like what is even it? like majority leader versus like minority, whatever. Uh, minority. Leader. For the most part, yes. Um, you said no numbers. So, the Speaker of the House, like, they have a higher salary than somebody who is a senator from another state because all the senators make the same salary. Do you so want to know? Va- okay. Yes. Tell me the, val- the the salary of the Speaker of the House. Tell me the, the salary of a senator. Tell me the salary of the president because I've heard it before, and that was definitely bull. But tell me all of them. All right, so this is what the government pays them. This is what they get in their salary check. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, get your point. Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. She's a Democrat from California, but it doesn't matter because she's going to get the same thing. There's a SES level, senior executive selection, and her salary right now is $223,500. So, Truth. the House. Truth or bull? I can see that. That sounds, yeah, that sounds about right. Salary, yeah, that's all right. It sounds, I would not doubt that. I don't think that's right, but I, I don't doubt that. Next? All right. So, hold on, hold on. So, we're going to get into this. What do you think Nancy Pelosi's net worth is? Her salary is $223,000. What's her Ooh. net worth? That's what we're going to get into. I'm going to say $45 million. I'm going to say, I'm going to say $45 million. No, no. I'm going to say... I'm gonna say 100 amps. I'm gonna say 100 amps. Her, <laughs> her net worth, uh, as of 2022, is 135 million dollars. Yeah, 100 amps. And I'm sorry, how much does she make per year? 223 thousand dollars a year. She makes a quarter million dollars a year, but she's worth $135 million. Well, right, you got to think the- about that. That's the speaker of the house. He got all types of titles and whatever, and executive classifications. $135 million? Yeah, yeah. She, How much yes. was LeBron's contract he just signed? She ain't no LeBron. Nine, she makes a quarter million dollars a year, 90. but she makes a hundred and she's worth $135 million. Yeah. How? I'll take LeBron. Does it, did she go into it? How? Yeah, does she go into it? I mean, yeah. does it break yeah. down her salary? You mean? I mean, there's a thing no, called that's not insider her trading. I mean, there's a thing her, called insider uh, trading. No, I'm tripping. We're not going to talk about which that. is highly illegal, but they definitely do it because if you look at they what happened before the COVID down. pandemic, Marjorie Taylor Greene, one of those representatives, she took out a large stock, and I I don't want to misquote it, but it was definitely a cleaning company. It might have been Lysol, right before the shutdown. That's just so odd to me. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it's crazy because there's a lot of people that invested in Pfizer right before they became out came out with the vaccine. Mm, the vaccine company. Yeah. I wish I had that. Pfizer, idea. Moderna, Johnson and Johnson. Their stock skyrocketed. That's so odd. You know, I think that politicians just have impeccable timing. Mm. Yeah. 
As yeah, sometimes they just get lucky. No, they full of it. All right, so let's go with John Boehner. Can we get He's some that. other uh, senator numbers? House yeah, here we go, John. Minority leader. Is he black? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I know that Republican from Ohio. <laughs> he definitely ain't black. <laughs> yeah, Republican from Ohio. $193,000 a year. We're guessing the net worth? I mean, yeah, let's go with the net worth because, like, yeah. These Say are- his name again. John Boehner. John Boehner, Republican from Ohio. And he is of the non-African American race? Yes. Ah, okay. Let's go with fifty two million. I'm going if she was hundred and thirty five, he can't be but like fifty, seventy five. I say seventy five. I say fifty. We ain't going over. How how old is this dude? Uh, how many years he been in Congress? Ever. I don't know. Since the Civil War. Okay, okay. Let's go. Let's go one billion dollars then. Uh <laughs> I'm I'm a, I'm gonna go with seventy five. Million? Yeah, mill. So there's a couple of websites showing that he's worth uh about four million dollars. Oh he a loser. <laughs> he's not doing it right. He's not playing. You gotta get his weight up, dog. If you go inside a trade, you gotta go all the way, bro. You can't like slightly do it. Like if you that's like committing like a partial crime. Come on now. Let's go for the felony. Why are you just committing a misdemeanor? <laughs> All right, so let's go to uh there's some good ones. All right, let's go Donald Trump. So if you are the president, there's a set salary. The I think everybody knows salary. his net worth though. All right. No, not everybody knows his net worth. President's president salary is four hundred thousand, right? Yes. Vice and then Trump worth like twelve billion, isn't it? Donald he had money Trump. before he was president, but he's he won't yeah, we know he did. Two point five billion? Oh, I oversold. Five billion. Hmm. I mean, but everybody has to talk about like the difference between a million and a billion is a lot. So he's literally by far the highest uh, net worth president we've ever had. Trump don't work. What's Obama's? What's Obama's net worth? All right, so I'm looking over here. Obama's net worth is approximately fifty million dollars. There we go, Barrio. That's it. <laughs> That's it. He's still black. <laughs> so like this that. is this is like probably the most interesting thing. At to me, Michael Bloomberg, the former mayor of New York City. Mm-hmm. Anybody want to take a guess how much his net worth is? It's got to be near the bill. It's got to be near the billion because don't he have like the blood factory and uh, he own like the Associated Press or something like that. And they take every picture and everything. I'm going to say like 850 mil. Leno, what's your guess? He's from the Bloomberg family. So, yeah, it's 1.2 billion. I'm going to make it a nice round figure. Shock. One billion. Um, I think Leno was the closest, but you were only he, off by about fifty-four billion dollars. He is fifty-four point nine billion dollars. That's his net worth. More than Trump. 
He is the he's one of the richest people in the United States of America. Ain't it crazy we live in a country where you can have fifty four billion dollars and not be the wealthiest person here? Like there could be other things that come to the party, like step aside, brokey. Like Bezos gonna pull up in his spaceship, like get your broke ass out of here. But going back to what we just started, these are the same people who are mad that you get ten thousand or twenty thousand dollars of student loans cut. That's true. That's true. Man, I I don't I don't like it. I, I like that there is some money being given, but I don't care what they say. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not going to be the person that's here like, oh, if you're a millionaire or a billionaire, you're a selfish individual. But the people that you named, who's to say that they got their fortune off of hard work alone? Come on now. Some of these people, you know, everybody has had a handout somewhere along the way. But you get up like you get startup capital and stuff like that or mommy, daddy money, trust fund babies. I don't think it is this right with me, but I feel like America in this country, especially, you know, in our in our social settings, we appreciate work. We appreciate them rags to riches stories. You know what I'm saying? People that made like Tyler Perry. Please do me a favor, Brick. Look up Tyler Perry's network because that man is breaded now. And it's because of the hard work that he put in throughout everything that he had going on. All right. So I looked it up. Tyler Perry is worth one billion dollars. Shout out to the black yeah. billionaire. Black billionaire. Slow clap. Go. Golf clap for him. We don't need golf clap. We got to hit that church clap. Come on now. <laughs> All right, fellas. We're going to move on to a topic that I definitely want to talk about. And this is going to be a part of my medical minute. I may need more than a minute to get into this. Um, as I was doing my research, I was digging deeper and deeper into it because really it was. I think as I read these topics, it was. One, it was frustrating. Two, it was infuriating. And three, it was just flat out upsetting to think that this is the nation that we live into. But the topic that I wanted to get into is food deserts. So before I get it, I'm going to set the stage. Leno, talk to me, man. What you know about food deserts, bro? Well, you know, my dumb ass. I was talking, thinking about food desserts when you sent it in the group chat at first. But I mean, from what I know about food deserts, is an area void of Fresh food options, grocery stores, things like that. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. like Petersburg, if you think about it. For real. You know, wrong city of Petersburg. What's a food desert? I mean, just from I mean the name, it's a desert where like it's bare. They don't have a abundance of food, fresh food assumingly, like they don't have the collard greens, the green beans, the alfalfa. They don't have all the good stuff, so I don't know. Alfalfa? This nigga Who said alfalfa. We, we talking about, we don't even have basic stuff. We can't even get fresh bread and water. You talking about <laughs> collard greens and alfalfa. And alfalfa. Oh, you want? <laughs> Broccoli? <laughs> carrot? This man... <laughs> What have you put alfalfa on, bro? What have you ever used alfalfa on? What has your mama ever used alfalfa on? You know what? I don't know. I've seen alfalfa <laughs> growing. 
It looks amazing. How you know it was you've alfalfa? Seen, you've seen the little rascals. You no, no, seen no, no alfalfa. <laughs> I I lived in North Dakota for two years, so shut up. I that is like, and you still didn't eat it when you lived there, did you? I don't know. <laughs> I ain't mad at you. Hey, I, I you can take the boy out the fair. city. You can't take the city out the boy. He was in there going like, what is that? I am not eating that, dog. All right, Shock, what's a food desert, bro? Food desert, man, is a place that is deserted of food. Yeah, yeah. So I think the name is pretty self-explanatory, as y'all said. I'm, you know, y'all not wrong. A food desert is basically a geographic area where residents have few to no convenient options for securing affordable, healthy food. Okay. Um, a lot of my information came from the Annie E. Cassie Foundation. Actually, it was founded by her son, Jim Cassie. It might be Casey. I'm sorry if I'm butchering. It might be Jim Casey. Um, Jim Casey is actually the individual who created UPS. So came from very, very humble beginnings when I was looking up his life story. But this is about the food deserts, not necessarily about the individual. So food deserts are predominantly seen in areas of low education levels, lower incomes, as well as higher rates of unemployment. So unfortunately, these are the places that some would call the hood. You know what I'm saying? It's places where you have less access to the things that should be available in our community. Um, this is this is definitely disproportionate in black communities. It's a it's a fact. This isn't like just, uh, you know, I'm guessing this. This is a known fact that it is disproportionate in our communities. Uh, similar poverty levels in the U.S. actually were compared. And this was a study from Johns Hopkins where they were looking at um, different communities uh, at the same poverty line, right? So at the same level of poverty amongst different communities, black, white, interracial, Latino, all the different communities. So the highest amount of food deserts were actually found in the black communities at an equal poverty line. Y'all want to take a guess where the least food deserts were found which communities yes white i think you might be muted but white communities so and then the latino communities are going to be mixed in between it so another thing that uh, i wanted to talk about was that it's Basically, it's based on the distance to a grocery store. So that's how you're supposed to, to recognize if you're in a food desert. We actually drive through them on a regular basis, but also vehicle availability and resources such as public transport. Right. So there's there's different areas. If you're in a rural area, they consider it being more than 10 miles away from a grocery store that sells fresh produce, meats, fish, maybe alfalfa. I mean, my grocery store don't sell that, but <laughs> It is oh, a, Lord. a big source of vitamin K, just so you guys know. I looked it up. Oh, gee, thanks. Make sure what does vitamin, vitamin K, K do for you? <laughs> gee, thanks. It clots the blood. It's an anticoagulant. You wouldn't say it clots the blood. It helps the blood clot. It's a cofactor for it. There we go. Sorry, I don't have an MD. You could be lit, though. That's my hey! humble brag. <laughs> yeah, all right. Let's let's keep I talking like, about it. Though. I feel like Derrick Rose at the All Star game just now, and y'all was y'all was everybody else coming out, and I was just there. Is there staring? Just there. So back onto food deserts. So looking at food deserts, the U.S. Department of Agriculture would say that 33% of residents in these food deserts must travel an inconvenient distance. Like I said, that's one mile in urban areas. 
up to 10 miles in a rural area to access food. So looking at the population, apparently 39.5 million Americans are deemed to live within low income, low access areas. And of that, 19 million have limited access to grocery stores. The reason why I get so frustrated with this topic is because this is a country that we live in where millions of people don't have access to nutritional food. And, you know, we're all young. But what y'all don't see as often as I do is the results of poor dieting for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, right? There's something called non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. It's, it is basically a form of liver inflammation that causes cirrhosis. Within the next five to 10 years, the, the GI, the gastroenterologists of the world are saying that this is going to overtake liver cirrhosis from alcoholics. There are people that, I have a patient that ended up on the transplant list because of a poor diet for 50 years. You know what I'm saying? Coronary artery disease, which causes heart attacks, directly related to your cholesterol levels. Comes from eating processed foods, fatty foods. I'm not sitting here trying to change y'all diet, but what I am saying is that you look at the communities where you got the single mom, the mother of three, you got the family that's got four kids, they're trying to take care of them. There's literally a decision that people have to make sometimes between, you know, feeding their kids, clothing themselves, getting their medication. And they try to distribute all of them as evenly as they possibly can. But you got to feed your kids. And y'all know McDonald's got a dollar menu. It's easy for somebody to get that. You could feed it. How much? Matter of fact, Leno, you probably know this. Y'all probably know this. How much do you think it would cost to feed a family of four at McDonald's? I feel like that question is how much would it cost shot? to eat at mcdonald's yeah that also it depends yeah if you want to be like, like a normal meal. Get, if you want to be the mac and cheeseburger and have four small fries and that's like tim it's like 9.98 probably with inflation <laughs> i was trying Nah, you gotta be you gotta be down bottom you gotta be down bottom from the gutter type, you know what I mean? So that means you using a five dollar coupon and get twenty nuggets for five dollars and that's all you get and you splitting it. And we joke about this stuff, but I work at the in this area, I work at the free clinic and I have that happen all the time. Like I prescribed this person a medicine, I told him it was on the four dollar list at um at Walmart and they said that's too much. And for a split second, I was like, what? And then I realized, no, like this truly to spend four dollars This this lady has three children. You know, she's she's got them in school, but she's trying to pay for everything that she can. She works at a factory. No offense to her, her employment, but that's what she got to do. You know, she has to pay for gas. She has to pay, you know, her rent or her mortgage, whichever she has. And she has to make sure she can feed her kids as much as she can. So that's the problem when we're in these food deserts because we have access to all these processed foods, bro. And they're known as convenience foods, right? You got convenience stores. They have a longer shelf life. They're cheaper. I mean, these are the type of things that are throughout our communities. You know, we talked about it before, but you look on the corners and then you got what you got right there, bro. That's Oreos. I ain't saying the stuff ain't delicious. That's not what this is about. Food deserts ain't about whether the food tastes good. That's why Leno thought it was dessert. You know what I'm saying? The food tastes good, but it's not the healthiest thing for you, right? So sometimes when I'm in the clinic, I ask my patients to name, you know, I'll say name four vegetables that you've eaten in the last week besides corn or potatoes. And it's always a struggle. But then they'll explain that there's no place where they can get it where they can afford it. You know what I'm saying? Whole Foods has great products, but it's going to be expensive. You can go to Publix and you can get fresh produce, but it's going to be expensive. Also, it doesn't last as long. You want something that'll have a longer shelf life. Something that I found interesting, I wanted to share y'all, and then 
you know, I'm gonna get off the explanation trip and let y'all kind of chime in whatever whatever you want to say. I was looking at all right, so why are there not more grocery stores in these areas? And one of the biggest things, the reason why you have more convenience stores and grocery stores is that opening a grocery store is an investment risk in and of itself. You know what I'm saying? If it's if it's like an entrepreneurial type business or if it's a franchise, when you open a business in any setting, there's a couple of things that you need. And a lot of these areas, remember, they're low income. Unfortunately, they typically will have a higher crime rate. Even if they don't, it can be a stigma with that area. So because of a higher crime rate, whether it's real or not, it usually results in higher insurance rates. And because of the higher insurance rate, it's a bigger risk to open up the store. And apparently that's a that's one of the main reasons why we're struggling to see these grocery stores. You need the land. You need the access. You need to build it. You need to keep produce restocked. I mean, Brick, you worked at, what was it, Kroger, Winn-Dixie? Kroger. Yeah. And any of y'all ever worked in a grocery store? Nope. Well, but y'all know that stuff has a shelf life. And spinach ain't going to last as long as some gummy worms. So I mean, at the end can. of the day... You can't eat gummy worms and think that's a substantial meal. You can't tell me that. You but what, a- that's, as simple as it is for you to say that, and I'm not saying that you're incorrect. What I'm saying is that there are people where they literally get their groceries from gas stations. And that's because we're in these food deserts. So you look at like, that's one part of it. But then what can we do, right? I can sit here and try to talk to people. I can talk to my patients. I can talk to y'all about like, you know, you got to eat better. You got to do this. You got to do that. But what we really need to do is look at the factors, right? So on average, a healthier diet, they say healthy foods, so like fresh produce, fresh meats, all that stuff costs $1.50 more per day, which ends up being $45 additional per month or $540 extra per month for a family or per year. I'm sorry, for a family. That can be a lot of that can be a lot of money to some individuals when you got a lot of mouths to feed or when you don't have a whole lot of income. You're not substantial. And then looking at another part that messed it up was COVID, bro. They started changing the bus schedules. You remember Uber changed their way. So then it made it that much harder for people that were already in a food desert to to obtain that good nutrition. So what needs to happen really is that there needs to be more ways to incentivize people. If somebody's on low income, you know, and if they're on like uh, getting those like food stamps or any type of like um, financial supplement or supplement programs from the government, one, don't put them down. We got this stigma about people that are on WIC. That stands for women, infants, and children. That was meant to save lives, bro. People should still have access to this food. The transportation issue, you know, if only there was a way, like if it could be carpooled. Or another thing that I saw online um, mentioned is that if there were a way to allow people to use these um, food supplements from the government for online grocery shopping, even that could help. You know what I'm saying? Like Instacart or something like that. So that's a food desert. You know, it's a place where you have limited access to healthy food. And I want to get y'all take on it. What do y'all think about the fact that these things even exist in America, that they're so substantial and that apparently we have about 19 million on is the, the data was showing from 2017, which is kind of old. It might be more, it might be less, but about 19 million individuals that are living in food deserts currently. What y'all think? It's, it's crazy, man. It's crazy we're living in this day and age. We were just talking about how politicians are making on all of this dough. You got billions and billions of dollars, right? And, and millions of dollars. And, and there's individuals, you know, um, that look like us, man, and, and are unfortunately not able to get the proper nutrition. Uh, um, 
like this. It's unfortunate. It needs to be fixed, man. It's it's, it's messed up. Yeah. You're right, Leno. What do you think? I mean, how do you fix something like that? You're talking about systematically repairing what data shows are neglected and overlooked areas, getting fresh food, produce, things of that nature. Talking about putting, investing, putting money in, having people that want to put money in and have the money to put into communities like that. And usually what correlates to, you know, people that don't want to put put that type of money in and invest that kind of money. Um, you have people that, you know what I'm saying, that just don't want to get, that don't have the capabilities of putting that money into, into communities like that. You continue the vicious cycle of underprivileged, underfunded, and not really uh, just a, a denomination of people that's not cared about. Yeah. Brick, what you think? I mean, you said 19 million that are 19 million individuals. So it was 39.5 million that are in the low income, low access areas. And then of that, about 19 million are considered to live in a food desert in a low income, low access area. So, yeah, like right around 19. OK, so. But how many are not being accounted for? We are literally in a That's country. A yep. We're in a country that is supposed to be the best of the best. But there's probably more that aren't being accounted for. We're, we look like a third world country. When I was deployed, I was eating steak on Fridays. I was eating lobster on Fridays. But you mean to tell me that there's kids that only get to eat good food when they go to school? That they don't get fresh fruits and vegetables Mm -hmm. because it's not there. They're only eating canned stuff. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I mean, to me, that's a thing that we need to focus on. I mean, I know Michelle Obama took a stand and we're going to change things and everything. But people laughed at it. But you really have to take a look at it because it's not about people of color. It's not about blacks. It's not about whites, Puerto Ricans, Asians, Native Americans, whatever you want to call it. Kids need to grow up. They need to eat fresh food. They need to eat fresh vegetables. This is a thing. Like you just said, Lit, you're seeing people that are dealing with issues where they're eating gummy worms for the last 25, 40, 50, 60 years. It's an issue. Why can't we just do this, fix it right now? Like, that's that's a problem. I mean, you're exactly right. I think it's, I, I think it's, it's bull. It's bullcrap that we literally live in a nation where any child can, like, not any child, where, like, we live in a nation where a child can die of starvation. That is insanity to me, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, we can fight wars overseas, like you were saying. We can spend money on, like, um, what's it called? Like, uh, SpaceX and space exploration and do all this stuff. Try to have these amazing things, but you could have a child that's in an impoverished com- community considered to be a food desert die because they didn't get to eat. And then you look at the parents who are doing the best that they can. Don't know, you know, nobody, everybody's situation is different, but you're doing the best that you can. And then the only thing that you can feed your child is what you can get from the gas station or the convenience store on the corner. Right. And like you said, the only servings of vegetables that they get will be at school. What about when they graduate? You know what I'm saying? They go they're gonna go to college, they're gonna take out them loans. Apparently them PPP loans hitting on something. That's what it seems like they're gonna have to do. It's crazy. Like I, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm not here saying I have the solution, bro, but I want 
pe- more people to recognize that this exists. Like we we need to have more food drives. We need to have more education on how to do this. And then uh, going off of what Leno has said, talking about like looking at the beginning in the in the communities that don't have it. I thought you were going to touch on this, and I I think you, you know you, this is in your bag too. Is the only time I really start to see them grocery stores pop up in them low income communities when they start to get gentrified. You know what I'm saying? Well, when you talk about you talking about they get gentrified, that's only because they brought a different denomination of, you know, that's trying to influence a different group of people into those. That's what the gentrification process includes: is bringing in a different group of people. You ride around certain, you go to certain blocks of Churchill, you go to certain blocks, you know, it's now in Southside, where you got different a different denomination of people who were, you know, there's a group of people that were there initially. Now a different culture of people trying to move you all throughout, you know, the city of Richmond. Exactly. And that's the only way you start to see those, you know, those changes is when you try to in- introduce or inject new people into the area. Yeah, man. It's- I feel like they do it with the type of grocery stores that they bring in. Like you were saying, Leno, you look at it. If I go, if I'm driving around a new place, a new city, say you just go somewhere in the middle of North Carolina and you see uh, Aldi's. You already know what type of neighborhood that's probably going to be. I mean, but, Aldi in the hood would do numbers. Okay. Aldi is already saying, low. It's like a low-budget Walmart. That's what I'm saying. But that is a low budget. But if you drive around and then you go to the next city, and then you see a Trader Joe's or a Whole Foods, you already know what type of environment that is. Right. Yeah. But even more than that, Brick, I'm talking about areas like, think about, think about where our grandmother lives. Ain't no grocery store on that block. Corner you, remember store, the old, you remember the old China corner store they closed down, bro? Yeah, y'all bros. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. nothing but it's nothing but family dollars <laughs> in Petersburg. Straight from the city of Petersburg from Walnut Hill to Washington Street. You got gas stations and you got corner stores. And family exactly. dollars. And then if you're if you're blessed to have a vehicle, because I feel like we take that stuff for granted, you have your own transportation, you know what I'm saying? You could get the, 10 miles ain't really nothing if you got a car. But if you're riding a bike, how many groceries can you fit on that bike? Or if you're walking, how much can you carry with you? You know what I'm saying? Like like I was saying, when COVID hit and the bus line stopped, the people that really wanted to give their, good, their children nutrition then had to start walking, bro. That's wild to me. And like... Like Brick was saying, like that's a developing nation type stuff. No disrespect to those type countries, but you know what I'm saying? If we're supposed to be so developed and high class and considered one of the best places to live in the world, we shouldn't have people starving to death. That don't sit right with me. The same way we shouldn't have, you know, veterans that are on the corner begging. We shouldn't have people starving to death. We shouldn't have people that, you know, are trying to help people and are so stressed out, you know, dealing with like loan repayment. You got the government coming for them. There's a bunch of crazy stuff that goes on in this country, but we're just here to make sure we dialogue and talk about it, bring it up to the people, because if we can at least provide education and put a spotlight on these things, even if we're not, we're not the ones to make a change, we might be sparking the mind of the individual that could make the change, that may hear this. If you know that there's a food desert in your area, in your neighborhood, you could talk to your politicians. Obviously, they're making a bag, but you could talk to your politicians. Maybe they could pay for it. Shoot, Nancy Pelosi could definitely build a grocery store. Michael Bloomberg. Yes, got more money than Walmart, I think. No, I don't know. Fact check me no, on that. He, he, does, he doesn't. 
I don't have to check that. He doesn't. <laughs> well, all right. You got more money than Cutco. Oh, shit. All right, moving along. Hey, can we? Can we? Oh. What do you say? I don't know what he said. No, I was about to say, man. I was about to say, uh, kind of. I mean, the same topic, you know, and, and to the point brought up earlier is gentrification, man. It, it comes, eyes change in, this, in a neighborhood whenever visual changes within the within the neighborhood, right? Like right now on TV, I'm sure you're seeing. Uh, in Mississippi, I have water, but I just want to point out the fact that Flint, Michigan, still don't have clean water. Like, and that's been since twenty, what, twenty fourteen, fifteen, or sixteen? Like, that's crazy. You're right. And again, they're still shipping in bottled water. It's absolutely crazy. It, no, you're exactly right. There, like, and you know how the media works, right? Once the story dies down, the media people start, you know, start worrying about it as much. Yada yada yada. They still have tainted water, bro. That's crazy that that's still going on, but it's not getting reported. So the only people that like will be as worried about are the people that are in Michigan. That's you can't drink your tap water. What? Good old oh, thing. Because, and I don't know what lead does to body. But I don't know if you know off the top of your head, but like that's it's not, not good. good. No. Yeah, lead poisoning it, it deposits in the I think it's the basal ganglia, substantia nigra, and other parts of the brainstem. So it's it'll... like we know exactly where that is. Like you just pointed a spot on a map or something like that, gave us street directions. You thought I won't go and break it down a little bit more? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mr. Chief, off my map. Well, I was rudely interrupted <laughs> by Leno. Those are parts of the brainstem. Having having heavy metals deposited in your brainstem equals not good for your health. Uh, dementia, delirium, encephalopathy, all those words mean you go crazy. You can die. Things in your brainstem control very primitive processes, so you don't want any of that. Lead poisoning is not a good look. Also, I got to go back and check my, my literature book. I think it calls like methemoglobinemia, but I'll talk to you about that later. All right. So moving on. Wait, you got something else to say, Britt? How do I know if my older brother has lead poisoning or not? <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Joe. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Tent Tent. Y'all need y'all cars. If you need your windows tinted and you are in the 757 area of Virginia Beach, Norfolk, anywhere, make sure you check them out. It does great work. I will work. always give Tent Tent a free plug. Always. <laughs> now that we had the opportunity to touch on all those topics, especially something that's near and dear to my heart, is that and taking care of our youth within the nation. Once again, I know that we have some fathers on this podcast. We're going to be bringing in Choice Co., pediatric nurse practitioner, so that she can give us her spiel on some of the disparities in health care for, for children that we're seeing and some of the things that she would recommend that parents just pay attention to. And next up, we would like to welcome on the podcast a very, very special guest, someone that is near and dear to my heart. We've got Choice Co., also my wife, nurse practitioner and neonatal intensive care nurse out here in Georgia. So we wanted to bring her on so that she could give us some of her wisdom, some of her input, insight, things that she's been seeing uh, in her field, 
specifically in pediatrics and what we could do to help our children as they grow up in this crazy world at times that we're trying to raise them in. But the floor is yours, please. The lovely Choice Co. Take it away. That was such a nice introduction. Didn't he do good? He did so good. <laughs> uh, hi, everybody. First off, y'all are my boys. I just want to say I'm so proud of y'all. Like, thug tears. Okay. Very proud of you guys. You know what it means a lot for me. You know we yes. yes, yes, I'm very proud of y'all. Um, but yes, I came on here to give the people some information, um, clear up some things that people might not know, as well as uh, help push us in the right direction as a community, because that is what I'm all about. All right. Well, thank you. We need more more individuals like you that are really making that sacrifice, whether it be in healthcare, in public service and teaching and just being able to to spend your time with kids, because we know that children can try our patients, but somebody that's willing to sit with them, work with them, help them, especially in a time of need, I just think is is an amazing thing. So we put together a panel of questions, but before I get into just running out right with those, also wanted to get to give Leno a chance to just speak, you know, and open up on his mind what he wants to say, and maybe he could even get the first question. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, bro. Um, sis, big sis, uh, definitely glad to have you on the show. Um, much, much appreciation for everything that it is that you do. You know, I'd love to see uh, women, particularly women of color, um, in positions such as yours. Um, you are a role model. You are a shining light for others to aspire to be like. Glad to have you on here again. Uh, appreciate you lit, letting me get the first question off. Um, really, it's a question with a follow-up. Um, in your field, in your position, what would you say is really like the hardest part of the position as far, maybe not so much as the day-to-day, -day, but just so much, you know, the toll, the stresses that come with putting work in it day in and day out in that particular world, what would you say is the hardest part? Oh, that's a good question, actually. Um, I think it's multiple things, but I, I think the thing that gets to me pretty much every day is knowing that I go in with an open, big heart and try and steer these parents in the right direction, and I get hit with so much backlash just for whatever. Um, just because it's not something they want to hear, it's not something they're ready to hear. Um, maybe financial instability is a thing and just they're just not focused that much on their kids because people can have kids, but a lot of people deal with um, so many outside stressors that their kids really are not the focus of the day. Like trying to figure out how to feed them is going to be the focus of the day for a lot of these people, um, especially in the area I work in. So, I mean, I get a wide variety of everything. I get the the very wealthy people that have their kids in private school. And then I also get someone on welfare who can't even um, afford to get milk for their baby. So I think the biggest thing is really just every person is different. So as I go in the room, I have to gauge that. Some people are ready. They want they want the advice especially coming from someone that looks like them and then other people are intimidated by that. So that's two of the biggest hurdles that I have to get over every day. So I, that kind of goes into what my next question is going to be. Lit talks about all the time how, you know, he wants to do, he knows that when he goes in, he does the best that he can for the patients that he sees. And I always thought, you know, 
physicians or anybody in that field, it's really difficult to, when you want to try to have, you know, build relationships with these people and, and save as many people as you can. How difficult is it because you're working with children? How difficult is it to try to separate that emotional attachment and then try to move forward and give everybody that you deal with that same type of care? I think the biggest thing um, for me is I want everybody to walk in feeling like, okay, she's here for me. Like not the other 28 kids she's going to see today. Like she, I want them to feel like, oh, she's in here and she's locked in on my child. And every concern that I have is going to be addressed. Um, So it, it comes where you have to juggle the, the business part of the, the aspect of everything where it's like, you know, these, unfortunately, some of these patients are just numbers. So they're all about the number, like, okay, so this is how many people you need to see and get it moving. And then I'm struggling with the, but no, I'm sitting here, I'm talking to them. I actually am getting a breakthrough. I'm not going to cut them off. Like I, I, that's one of the biggest things for me is I want every kid to feel like they were seen when they come in my office and that my undivided attention was on them. Okay. Well, I mean, how noble of you to be able to to think that, especially with each individual. I mean, I hear you come in on the 28 patients and, you know, as especially, you know, we both see it in the healthcare field where, you know, people just keep coming one after the other, after the other, but you have to be able to manage those individuals. And I wanted to take a moment to highlight something that we definitely talk about a lot. I don't do as much outpatient medicine as I used to. I know a lot of your care is on the outpatient side while you still do do your neonatal uh, intensive care work as well, which is an amazing blessing in and of itself. But um, just real quick so I can lighten the mood and then we'll get back into it. I want you to talk about the doorknob complaints. Like really just the best way to word it is, is there something that you could say to teach a parent, especially a young parent, how to, to organize your complaints by severity, thus limiting the amount, like, you know, because Everybody wants their 15 minute, their 30 minute, however long they came for that appointment. But please explain to them about like dealing with the laundry list of complaints and how it is on you just so that they can get a feel of it. So I'll get (laughs) I'll get the parent that's uh, okay. I'll just give you a basically kind of scenario of different patients I'll see. So I'll get the new mom who um, maybe she did IVF and she's older. And so this is her first child and she's like 48. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, you would think that someone that's established, they have everything together. The only thing that was missing out of their life was a baby. So you're like, well, you should have it all together. You should have read everything. You know, you should No, these people come in completely just like almost as if they were 16. So just think of a 16 year old girl having a baby for the first time and think of a 48 year old woman that has never had to take care of anyone full time but herself, right, or yeah. her, and her husband. So you get that, and it could be the smallest thing. Oh, well, his poop changed colors. Well, what did you change? Oh, well, I changed formula. Oh, okay. I mean, did he, is he throwing up? You know what I mean? Like, and and I tried to take myself out of it and be like, what if I really don't know anything? So I I do try and take that into consideration. I say, well, okay. But they be trying your nerves. But it's just like, I, I, I'm just like, what do these people know? And it's like, actually not a lot. A lot of people just don't know a lot of stuff. Yeah. Like and my biggest thing, and I tell David all the time, or lit, like y'all like to call him, I call, I tell him all the time, 
kids do not need juice. There's no nutritional value in juice. <laughs> That's my thing. If you want to, if you want to hear me complain about something every day, it's kids don't need juice. And I don't know where it came from that kids need juice and that it has to be a part of every meal. Uh, they come in, they're like, oh, I don't know what it is. He'll drink water, but he will not drink juice. Okay, that's great. Yeah. He need juice. My five-year-old like, <laughs> would respectfully disagree that juice is not important. <laughs> 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 I'm going to say, Leno, you drink juice? <laughs> but, I mean, well, I, I'm going to drink my juice. I'm going to go through that Simply Lemonade. Like, please don't yes, let it be two yes, to five and, at the store and, on the Simply. But don't I let will, my five-year-old hear <laughs> that juice is not That's why I don't buy it, because I will too. But there literally is no reason for juice. I just want to oh, that's, that, Now, that sounds blasphemous almost. There's no... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I can rock with you on that one. All right. Let me. So if we were to go a little bit further in depth, the the reason why and, you know, I don't want to take away the spotlight from choice, but it's the the amount of sugar that is in that is not a necessary part of the diet. That's why if you're looking at like a percent daily value, you can run into issues because that sugar, they don't even tell you the percentage because it's way over the amount that they're going to need. And the whole food pyramid has be, been debunked. But now it's up to people like Choice in their field, especially in the pediatric world, to hopefully try to establish better um, better habits in terms of eating habits and dealing with juice and other things like sweets, fruit snacks, all things that are delicious, mind you. But you got to know about it. Can y'all hear me? Yeah. Fruit snacks cause cavities. That's but but they're going to have more teeth, aren't they? Okay, I don't know why. I can't hear y'all. I don't know what happened. Sorry. Did you press the button? Did you break it? <laughs> I can't hear anything. What happened? Break with no contribution until All right, hold on. everything falls apart. Did you break it? Okay, yeah. my bad, y'all. Alright, so we're talking about juice. So, Leno, pick up with your five-year-old will heavily disagree with juice. What's his favorite juice? Go. Uh, so, favorite juice in no particular order. You got high C orange. Uh, that's probably near the top right now. Uh, high C orange. You got apple juice. Uh, he's not a big fruit punch guy, which makes me kind of nervous because it makes me wonder whose child he is. Because I'm a big fruit punch guy, but he doesn't he doesn't bang with the fruit punch. Uh, so eliminated is on that list as well. So much dye and fruit punch. Anyway. Oh, oh hey. sweet tea isn't really juice, but that's on my list. So anything. Has he had Kool Aid? Where's Kool Aid at on this? I don't drink as much Kool Aid as I used to, bro. Whatever happened? I feel like we all just stopped. Like everybody had that age where, like, all right, I ain't got to keep yeah. filling up this gallon jug with the water, that cold water, and you drop that sugar in. Right you before the water, right before I the pandemic started. I, Hold up. Yes. Time out. Yes. Time it's out. Water. It helps the warm sugar water. Dissolve. Yes. It helps the sugar dissolve. See, you're not a real you're not a real Kool-Aid Brick. maker, so you don't Brick. know you don't you, know. You the not, like, you I'm asking for his distance. Brick, do you hear this? They're claiming that they use warm water. Do you use warm water for your Why Kool-Aid? would you use cold water? Because right. it's a cold drink. So you're gonna be stirring that sugar in that drink for three days. How much sugar are you putting in? Right. How much you gotta put a lot class. of sugar in Kool Aid? Nick, okay, go ahead, Nick. Come on. What are bring the this. two things that dissolve 
a solution or dissolve something. Or earth science. Stirring it and warm water. I'm just going to stir it more. I like how you sounded so scientific until you described We said, what are the two ways? Stirring it and warm water. You mean solute. So you're trying to dissolve a solute with a solvent. So you can either use turbulence. I don't need to. It's going to settle. It's going to settle. No, it won't. Ice, too. It's going to get watered down. Y'all kidding me? Kool-Aid, first off, is delicious. And if you make it with the cold water, you know what? I don't make Kool-Aid for us, so I don't even this, know why you're You like also, I'm little. just reliving the nostalgia, because I was talking about his son's favorite juices. He said his son has not had Kool-Aid. What five-year-old in Kids do not need juice. I didn't say he needs it, but he can have some. Part. Kids do not need juice. <laughs> if you haven't had Kool-Aid and oodles and noodles, you ain't keeping it real. So, oh, my God. You're not so with the I culture. Asked, I asked all wait, my wait, kids. Wait, 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 I asked them this. I asked all my kids, what do you like to eat? Do you know what they say? Chicken nuggets. Or? Noodles. Yes. Is that not the saddest thing? That sounds like a D1 diet to me. Oh, them kids be coming from them households <laughs> running a four, three, five. <laughs> yeah, until you get a, a nine-year-old that comes in there weighing 160 pounds. Can he move his feet? Yeah, lateral. I was quickness? about to say if he if he at nine and one sixty, Nick Saban is definitely knocking on that man's right door. Like we would love for you to come. Y'all take are a not I'm here to speak Alabama. with DeAndre. Y'all are not yeah. helping my case. Are no. you DeAndre's mother and father? No father around. Okay, just the mother. Not. Well, <laughs> shut why, up. Why <laughs> just the mother, bro? Why I had to be? Why you had to go down that road with it? Hey, this is not a shot at anybody, but I will say this wholeheartedly. I saw a tweet where they said single moms make the best D1 athletes. And I agree. Having a parent around is great, but usually they do a big story about the, the players that have both their parents in their life. But it'd be the so, single mom was that come through. So what you're saying is your nephew got a chance? Mm-hmm. 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 Ike Diesel is going to the league. Which Still one on track know. to retire at 35, baby. Let's go. There you go. There you go. Let's go. <laughs> 35. All right, so yeah, if I did my math right, let me see. I was like, damn it. Wait, off of your son's winnings? Nah, that's five. That's only five years. <laughs> wait, wait. How old is he? Let me let me. Oh, well, He's five shoot. now. Well, shoot, they giving out middle school scholarships and NIL and all types of other stuff. Maybe by by the time he get to middle school, he might hey. have a little deal with a uh, Jimbery or something like that. You know, kids foot like I might want to holler at my oh, dog. Oh, he they said might. Jimbery. They might. They might. Yeah. All right, all right. I can see that. So let's make sure we get back onto these topics because we still got a load of questions that we wanted to ask. Um, the next one that I want to do since you brought up the 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 juice. Is there any other advice that you could give to parents in terms of like what they're missing or possibly not noticing with their child, like growing up, maybe in whatever age it is? Like, I understand that, you know, the baby world is definitely yours, but like in those toddlers, um, especially when they get double digits, early teens, you know, pre-puberty, whatever you want to hit on and tell the people something that you would give them advice on, please, the floor is yours. Um, okay. So I think one of the biggest things that people know, but tend to somehow forget in the same breath is that kids see everything. So like remembering that kids literally see everything. And when, if you're struggling, they're struggling too. 
And I found that a lot of parents, um, because they deal with their own stressors day to day, they tend to forget that their kids are dealing with that maybe in the same light or in another light too. Um, So I get a lot of kids that are depressed, uh, Mm -hmm. scary depressed things that they um, admit to me that they have been dealing with going through. Um, And so that's always a big thing that kind of tugs on my heartstrings because before they walk out of there, I don't, if I don't say what needs to be said, they might not make it to the next um, well well child check because that's a year from now. So they might not make it to that if I don't address what needs to be addressed right then. So you're taking into account a child's mental health. I I applaud you for that. I don't think we pay enough attention to our own as adults, let alone, you know, in children. Mm -mm, The juice world said he told his mom he was was depressed. She said, what the hell you mean you're depressed? Get out of here with that. Mm -hmm. They say that you can't have that. Choice from your perspective, is it safe to say that at this point, children's mental health is not a focal point or something that's really prominent in your field right now? Uh, I would say it's not prominent in our community. Um, that's what I'll say. I'll say that uh, fair-skinned people are more likely to say that their child has something going on, even if it's not the case. They're more likely to point the finger and be like, you got ADHD. Or this, I'm bringing him in here because I think he has depression and he's suicidal. Or, you know, I feel like they're more likely to put a name to something out loud than we are. And that mm-hmm. could that could be good or bad, but I think a lot of times that actually ends up benefiting them because it's like, no, I'm paying attention, something's wrong. So you can sit here and tell me, you know, of course a teenager, especially preteen, is gonna be like, I'm good, I'm just, I'm just sleeping all the time. I just like to sleep. Or, you know, and how was school? Oh, it was good. Everything's fine. You know, and if you don't pay attention to stuff, if you don't realize that your child has changed or they're sleeping more, because even I find some parents really don't even know what depression looks like. So I'm like, oh, um, he used to be on the football team last year. Why is he not on the football team this year? And they're like, oh, well, he just said he's not interested in playing. That's a big, if he used to be out there so excited every practice, every game, and then all of a sudden a year later, he don't want to play, that's a big sign. Yeah, red flag. That's, yeah, or, you know, oh, she's sleeping all the time. Um, hi, Frank! <laughs> that's my big one. VIP in the building. <laughs> For those of y'all listening, we just showed a, a screenshot of my nephew. Rock Diesel yes, in the I building, and He's the so baby cute. whisperer, one and only choice code, definitely got <laughs> distracted. She lost her whole track. I did. I sure did. Did a full assessment. Um, but yeah, so taking into consideration that they deal with depression too, and I think sometimes parents are depressed too, so they just don't have the. Um, I just don't even think they have the energy to deal with their mental health and their kids too. So it's easier to just ignore it. Hmm. Okay, so definitely pay attention to the mental health. Anything else that you um, want to advise parents on or say, like, you know, I'm seeing this too often. So he said no juice, you know, recognize that children are going to see everything that goes on in that household more than you would know. You know, pay attention to warning signs of possible depression in your kids. Anything else? And vaccines do not cause autism. Mm. Controversial topic. Uh, But yes, so I've had unvaccinated kids never had a vaccine in their life have are autistic 
Um, I've had fully vaccinated kids that are autistic. I've seen it all. So I want that to be laid to rest right now. They do not cause autism, not directly. You're right. I can corroborate that. The study, I, the name slips me. I used to have the name all the time. Y'all can look it up. It was a study based out of New York I don't know if it's City or Upstate in the late 90s, early 2000s. And it was in part with um, a company that was against vaccinations. Um, but later on, I think maybe within 10 years of that study coming out, the uh, original author actually went to jail for like oh, fraudulent activity that, yeah. and the statements that he was making. So there, the data was invalidated. So please stop thinking that, oh, the vaccine is going to cause. And stop telling you know, other people that. Yeah, whatever you want to do with your children is your business and you keep it that way amongst your business. As y'all see, you know, monkeypox vaccine came out and everybody wanted that thing like crazy. But there are people that still didn't want a COVID vaccine. And it just blows my mind when we have no documented cases of death in anyone that has an immune system. Immunocompromised is always a different story. But come on, y'all. Sorry. I just wanted to make sure I make that known. I stand with you. You know, if you decide not to get your child vaccinated, okay. But don't sit here and tell me the reason why and it just be completely invalid. You know? Especially when I give you the facts and then you're like, oh, but those are just the facts that you found or the facts that they tell you to give us. It's like, it's the facts. I don't know yeah. what you want. What do you want me to like? Come I'm coming at you with data, me? like actual numbers. And then <laughs> you you're coming back at me with a Facebook post. Yes, exactly. You ask me for the information. I give you the information that's out there. Like, and then you tell me, oh, but well, that's what they trained you to say. That's what they want you to think. Yeah, that's what they <laughs> <laughs> I was like, once I told this lady she had COVID and she said, no, I don't. Okay. So, yes, you do. She said, I do not. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to you stay here tonight or you want to go back home? Because you're still having a fever and you still can't breathe. I'll stay, but not because I got COVID. Oh, I have one more. Okay. I have one more. Go That's for it. Big one too. Um, so I get all the time people kind of uh, come in and tell me, oh, I just don't have time or I don't have time to cook. So they eat out a lot. So I get a lot of backlash when I say, oh, you know, we're we're on the OB side. So if we continue on this route, we'll end up 300 and something pounds by the time we're 15. Mm. And then they're like, and I'm like, well, what do they eat? And they say, oh, well, they eat pretty good. They eat like a well-rounded dinner, well-rounded snacks. I'm like, that's a lie. Like, just stop lying. Come in here and tell the truth. (laughs) Because where else are you going to get the help? Come in here and tell the truth. Because your your child's weight is showing me everything. So all the questions I'm asking, I already know the answer to them. Just come in here and be honest so I can help. Only if they had a nice set of knives that could decrease the amount of time spent eating out on a monthly basis. <laughs> Are you looking for an exciting job that offers an opportunity to Man, you gotta let summer? that thing go, bro. You he won't. He won't. Uh, okay, please man. man, convince me to work I too, that I too was bad. Yeah, that too, yes. Y'all are in it you together. Not, yeah, mm-hmm. you are not a victim by yourself, bro. You but did y'all make any money? I, I, mean, I ran through my 15, 20 contacts. I know I, got, I had 15 family members. 
Whenever I ran out of family members, I quit. Enough to buy something, but nah, I, was, I just got my signatures and went on. I remember I hit up one of my oh, old teammates that just graduated. I was like, what are you doing? He's like, nothing, man. You know, chilling with family. How you been? I haven't talked to you in a while. Are you interested in a nice set of cutlery? <laughs> <laughs> he was like, what? All right, all right. So enough about that trash job. But there's other things that that are trash as well. Are there any um any fads or anything that you're seeing where you like you don't know why my parents are doing this, but you would want to tell them on air now, please stop doing this. Just give <laughs> us some more advice. The advice has been the best part. I mean, the whole interview has, but come on, you can sprinkle some more on us. Uh, fads. Uh, I would say, what is the most recent fads out right now? Besides the unvaccinating, that's just going to, that's been a top number one for like probably the last, I would say seven years. Mm-hmm. That's been a, everybody's coming in looking for someone that will take the unvaccinated kids. Um, but uh, there's a new thing with as organic as possible. So people or moms that can't breastfeed, they're giving like very organic milk. They are giving goat milk. They are giving um, German milk like from German cows that is non-pasteurized and is being shipped from over in Germany. So that's mm -hmm. the sound of them guts. Like, um, and, and no, no real evidence on why they're choosing these different organic types of milks. There's evidence. It's all on Facebook. You didn't see that post? I'm tired of these mom groups. I'm telling you, let me just, yes. I've had a lot of babies that have come in um, with reflux. I've had a lot of babies come in with rashes all over. So yes. reflux is pretty much where I, they, they spit yes, up. Yes, no, no, I know. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I was, so I was, no, I was just saying like, I know, you know, and I was saying, because I'm obviously not the bright one in this conversation of the three, just of the three. Oh, you bright, dog. Everybody's bright. intelligent. So I'm thinking to myself, oh, I know what that is. I'm just going to say it out loud. Like, yeah, but. You were yeah. right. Look at you. Okay, you're right. Good. You were yeah. right. See? Give yourself some credit. Yeah, give yourself some credit. Not earth science, but I do my thing. It's not earth science. They ain't never going to let that go. Nope, they're not going to let that one go. No, that's Um, French. That was two weeks ago, not 10 years ago. (laughs) So, yes, I've had babies that um, have reflux, which is uh, basically their um, esophagus doesn't close all the way. And when they have something that irritates their stomach, it's very easy for their milk to come right back up. So they spit up a lot. Um, and they end up with rashes, like body rashes all over because they don't know what, like the mom, one mom brought in the German milk and she couldn't even read what was on it. <laughs> it was in German. <laughs> I mean, and, you, and you're laughing. I know. And that's the same thing that I was just like, really? Like, you can't even read this. And she was like, I don't know. But I heard about it on one of my mom groups. And they said it's really yeah, that's good. That's the type of stuff that get me to cuss fair-skinned people out like and you. She was, and she was a African-American woman. Like you. But yeah. it's like, she brought the milk in for you to see. What, she wants you to translate it? <laughs> because she wanted me to see if that was the reason that the baby was having a rash and spitting up. You think? She must mean literally see, because like you said, it's in German. All you got to do is look at it and just be in. There's no way I would give my child something that I can't even read. That's just crazy to me. That is just that just threw me. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I would say uh, that's a fad. These organic milks, they're trying to get as organic as possible. But 
organicness doesn't necessarily always agree with babies because their digestive systems are very, very like immature. And a lot of organic stuff is not processed. So it's very harsh. They don't understand that. Um, breast is best. That's that's an ongoing thing. I think hey. that. Shout out uh, to the titty milk. <laughs> One thousand percent. That is uh, a fad that I am with and will continue to be for. Uh, what else? Let's see. Um, I don't know. That they're starting to calm down a little bit, but really, it's the milk thing is is the biggest one now. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, before we get out of here, I thank you for sharing all that. I do want to get a few more things. There's a couple more questions we're going to go through. Um, Just give us some insight, like in terms of your journey to this, this point in the job, whether it's like from high school or whatever age you were at when you decided, you know, I want to be a nurse that got you to this point. And I know, you know, I'm only 25, right? So. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Celebrating your 26th birthday here soon. Ooh, ooh. Since you got you an old nigga. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. Yeah. Well tell that yeah. tell that story about the journey though. You ain't gotta give us any dates, but how did you get to this point now that we see you as a nurse practitioner and a neonatal ICU nurse? Okay. So unlike some people, I really didn't have like where I did four different things before knowing what I wanted to do. I was pretty lucky. Um, I had an older cousin um, that was going to Georgia State, and I think I was maybe in middle school, and I saw she was studying, she had her nursing books, um, and I think she was doing a, like anatomy and physiology was the class she was taking, and she let me kind of look at some stuff and kind of talk to me, was really teaching me even though I was only in sixth grade, and then I was like, wow, I think that's what I wanted to do, like, I think I want to be a nurse. Well. I really thought I wanted to be a doctor. And then I realized how long you have to go to school. Big ups to you, Lick. Forever. For me. Yes. Um, so after I was like, mm, well, what can I do that's a step below that? And then I also, I'm such a perfectionist. I don't like a lot of, um, I don't like all of the pressure to be on me to speak. So I wanted something that gave me a little bit of uh, responsibility, but I didn't want to be at the very top to where it's like everybody has to come to me. I, I want to still have somebody above me that I can like refer to. That's always been my thing. So once I figured that out, uh, I knew I always wanted to do ICU. I knew I was not a med surge nurse. No offense to med surge nurses. I just knew that I needed something a little more critical the way that my brain thinks I have to be actively learning every day. So I decided to do adult ICU at Grady, which is the biggest level one trauma center in Georgia. Uh, I actually was born there. So shout out and, to Grady. If you get a bullet you in could, your ass, they got you. <laughs> uh, the saying is, if you can make it at Grady, you can make it anywhere. Uh, so that's where I started in adult ICU very quickly realized that I was becoming depressed because my heart was in it too much. So I needed something that was a little more happy, had more happy endings than sad. So I switched to the neonatal ICU. And I did that for seven years. I traveled for two and a half years as a travel nurse. And then I finally decided to go back to school once I had gotten all the travel bug out of my system. And then I did an additional two years, got my master's, and now I am a pediatric primary care nurse practitioner. Okay. Oh, right. Hey, we, I mean, 
that's what's up that you can say it, you can describe it, and you can look back on it. I mean, would you say it was worth it? Oh, 1,000%. I love what I do. I absolutely enjoy what I do. I get to play with kids every single day. Um, their parents are always a bit tough. So if I see 30 kids, I actually saw 60 people for the day, maybe even double that because sometimes they'll come in with both parents. So it and is. And that child obviously isn't going to the NFL. <laughs> 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 All right. Yeah, I'm going to stop. And this is not a. I came from a single parent home. It's, I'm just saying, they make them deep on athletes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, there was something else that you touched on. This is going to be our last question before we wrap this up. But you talk about, you know, not wanting to be like, like at the at the very top, but having someone that you can like go to, you know, that can give you that advice and help you out. So that that um that derangement or that difference between doctors and nurses, um, we have been seeing it get a little bit more skewed per se in terms of the field. But I wanted to see um, what your take was on the level of autonomy that nurse practitioners and physicians, previously physicians assistants, now known as physicians associates are receiving, you know, because typically I'll set the scene for the people is that what used to have to happen was, you know, you had to be either in the same facility or within a certain distance of, you know, a board certified physician in that field. If you were going to be the, you know, what they call like the mid-level or the nurse practitioner or PA for that. But now they're giving more autonomy where like sometimes they aren't even in the same county. They aren't located near them. Mm -hmm. And there's different portions of this. Um, Brick actually brought it up earlier where it could be location dependent. Like if you're in a very rural part of the, of the United States, you know, say you're in like the the um, Pacific Northwest or if you're in the mountains or something where like, you know, it's it's just a limited access to healthcare, It has a benefit. Mm -hmm. But then there's other areas where, you know. It's just such a busy area, such a busy practice. It's so, so hard to get in. You know, physicians can only see so many people. I know it's a long-winded statement, but my question to you really is, what do you feel, you know, is the is the direction that your field is moving and the level of autonomy? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it indifferent? How is it to you? Uh, I'm probably going to have the more reserved answer to that than some of my fellow nurse practitioners uh, because of kind of what I already touched on is I just never wanted to be the person at the top that everybody had to go to. Um, but I think I think in certain instances, it is beneficial to have a mid-level, um, be able to treat people, especially when it's not so complex, because there are levels. That's why they triage patients. So I do think that it's beneficial in some areas, especially low poverty areas to have that option so that they can still receive some type of health care um, if there's no doctor that wants to move to the middle of nowhere and only receive a certain type of compensation because that does drive a lot of it. So if you can't get someone that's um, of that caliber, I think you should at least there's a beneficial portion to having a mid-level uh, MP or a PA be able to be in that. Now, when it comes to autonomy, that was one reason why I didn't want to do neonatal nurse practitioner, because I felt like the autonomy is not there. Uh, if I do go to school and I put the work in, I do feel like I should have the option of having more autonomy and be able to make certain changes, be able to place certain orders on my own. Uh, so that is why I like the role I'm in now, because I am the one that decides if this kid needs an x-ray. I'm the one that decides whether we should do an ultrasound on this mask. I'm the one that is in control of that. I don't have to go to somebody to get those approved. And certain states are still limiting that. 
for nurse practitioners. They can't order certain x-rays. They can't order certain imaging, certain lab work. So I do like that for me and my role. Um, but I do think that it needs to stay where there's an, a separation between the two, because I think I've seen where if you try and step into that role and you don't actually know all of the information and you don't have the education for that, but you're trying to play like you do because you are a nurse practitioner and there are some nurse practitioners that operate that way, they'll try and act like they know something. Um, I'm just not comfortable doing that. So I think there definitely needs to be a separation. And I don't think that I can see all the patients that a pediatrician can see. I know that there are certain complex cases that I just don't have the education for. And I'm never like too big on myself to say that. And there are some nurse practitioners that are. And those are the ones lobbying downtown trying to get all that stuff. But I'm just not one of those. OK, well, well, thank you for sharing that and giving some more insight. I mean, Twist, this has been awesome having you on. Um, we're going to bring Rick back on. You know, if he has any last questions he wants to fire off, if Leno has any more questions they want to fire off, we'll get that before we uh, send you on your way. But thank you once again. Thank you, guys. What you got, Brick? All right. So one question. Grady is the largest um, trauma level one, level one trauma in mm -hmm. Georgia. But it's not the largest in the United States. Do you feel that you could have worked in a larger level one trauma in the country? As an adult ICU nurse or as a NICU nurse? Adult ICU. Hell no. <laughs> I was about no. to say. <laughs> Hell no. Eesh. Definitely not. Um, um, we were so tight that I, I technically worked in medical ICU, but we did get SICU patients, which are surgical ICU patients. Those are your brain surgery patients. Those are your patients um, that are uh, basically having to go to surgery every day, super critical patients. So we got some of those overflow. Um, even that was a stretch for me. I'm not going to sit here and act like I know everything. No. So anything more than what I was already dealing with, I definitely wouldn't be able to do it. Especially not every day. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm just coming off ICU, doing a month straight, and I can definitely sit there and say it is, it is exhausting, it is tiring, you know, to mm -hmm. go through that. Um, but once again, thank you for what you do, you know, especially the level that you that you do it at, and you know, being able to just reverberate that you truly do care for the kids is huge. But you know, you got anything else you want to say? No, just piggybacking off of everything that you said to this point, I got a, uh, if you listen to our podcast, I got a special place in my heart for Ratchet Wilman, but I also got a special place in my heart for children and the, the services like the that you, girls. you know that I do, but I got to even, I got to even softer spot for children. I really, <laughs> it really, um, it really does something to me for people that, you know, that give back and that, you know, serve children and that are able mm -hmm. to, you know, take care of children. That really means a lot to me personally. I um, want to tip my hat to you, Aww. not literally, because it looks crazy under here. But um, <laughs> really want to give you your flowers now for everything that you do as far as, you know, Aww. your service to to all the children that you come in contact with. Thanks, Leno. I appreciate that. Yeah. And, you know, of course, I'm going to thank you every day and every night. Number one, for marrying me. But also. Whoa. We get a little x <laughs> oh, Y'all said that. I just said I'm going to thank you. Yes. 
this man saying I'm gonna thank you every day and night. Hey, I, if I can't, if I can't thank you, I I, I thank you so much. Yes, you do. What's you that? Do. What's you that do. song? Um, I only think of you on two occasions. That's day. Hey, I had a caption like, for right me. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Mm-hmm. But nah, mm-hmm. for real. Thank you for coming on, babe. Thank you for spreading the word. Thank you for spreading awareness. You know, and just giving us a chance to talk to the kids. So one of the things we like to do when we end all our episodes is take a moment. I mean, you've been given so much advice, but if there's anything else you want to talk about, even if it's not related to work, anything you want to shed light on in the world, tell people, you know, give them some advice, shoot it off. Now's your chance. So go ahead and, and talk to the people. No, I think uh, I think I've touched on most of the topics that are near and dear to me that I feel like people are missing out on and kind of um, need a little bit of help. But I really wanted to uh, congratulate Brick and Leno for being the fathers that they are. I think you guys are amazing. I think you guys really are amazing. Um, Y'all kids ain't going to do one. I know know knowing you both personally, I know that both of your sons are going to grow up to do amazing things um, because they have amazing fathers. So I just wanted to shout you guys out really quick. Thank you. Shout out to y'all. Shout out to y'all. All All right. uh, Brick, any words? No, I'm good. Yeah, so you just that. mad bug already tall as you are. That's what that is. You ain't going D one. You going D one. I'm hyped for it. And he going dunk on you. Mm. He won't. He won't dunk on me. You just gonna be mad. He gonna be like, why you had to do about something like that? He tried to go up. You know how old man basketball is. You know fouls. Hey, hey, look. You know I don't, I don't play with my about my sons. I might just if you I try to throw an alley oop to your son in a pickup game. You should be mad at yourself because oh, I'm already nah, telling you know. that was going to happen. But okay, so mind you, you were there. I am basketball when somebody undercut me, and you talk about my DNA running through him and another <laughs> me already being on the court. You asking for trouble? You know? Okay, LeBron. <laughs> okay, LeBron. You trying to play with your son in the league? Anyways, so my words of, of wisdom and advice to people: stop stealing people' packages. All right. Just because you see something on somebody's porch, it is not yours. I just, I just be getting so mad when I see them videos. And I always feel good when the people like trip, break their ankle, fall, or the person come out and whoop their tail. Stop stealing from people, y'all. You know, people work hard for theirs. That could have, you know, that could have been formula for a baby. It could have been some hair growth cream. It could have been something that, like a new Roomba. It could have been anything. So stop stealing off of people's porches. But with that, y'all... Thank y'all for tuning in to another episode of Do-Rags and Stethoscopes. We love y'all and always thank y'all for listening. Make sure y'all continue to check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you collect your information and podcasts. We out. Leno, what you want to say to close it? So what I got to say to the people this week, take care of your body, man. Your body telling you something's wrong, listen to your body. Take care of your body for your body literally stop falling apart on you. The only body you got, take care of it. Try to tell me something, man. No, I'm if tell my own business. I'm gonna have to get my knee scope sooner. I'm gonna get, probably I'm gonna get it done after my birthday, but go I'll do all the formal stuff beforehand. But, but I'm gonna get my knee scope sometime after my birthday. I'm gonna have to. Boy. I'm gonna have to, bro. There's not. Hey. It ain't fine on all cylinders. Any more words for the people, fellas? Brick, you got anything you want to say to them? Nope.
Damn, All right. That's Brick's advice. Nope. <laughs> All right. He's definitely a plug for that new Jordan Peele movie. Shock, you got any advice you want to give to the people? Yup. All right. That is the sequel to Nope by Jordan Peele. Ain't that a song okay. by E40? <laughs> Probably. Nope. Nope. Yup. Yup. <laughs> nope. Yo, boy, it's foolish. All right, fellas. My advice to the people is just going to be take care of your bodies, just like Leno said. You got to make sure you take care of yourself from a dietary standpoint as well. Even though yep. you may not be able to feel it when you're younger, it's going to nope. catch up with you when you're older. Yup. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Do-Rags and Stethoscopes. As always, I am the Lit MD here with Lin on the Wave Guy, Brick and Shock. We are out, people. Hey.